Welcome to Boardwalk Sports Talk, the podcast by the Jersey sports fan for the Jersey sports fan. Because in New Jersey, we know you don't like us. And guess what? We don't like you either. Boardwalk Sports Talk. It is a lovely September afternoon, and I couldn't be happier for it to be the third week of this college football season. I'm sitting here with Rutgers 2-0 alongside one of the most transcendent talents, in my view, in NCAA football today, Joshua Youngblood. Mr. Youngblood, welcome to the Boardwalk Sports Talk program, sir. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So we we bring on the athletes that uh, exude really Jersey grit um, and and explosiveness and and desire. And I think a lot of the people that have been watching the Rutgers program and you play would agree you fit that mold perfect, despite the fact you're from Tampa um, Mm -hmm. and a Florida guy. But that's, you know, again, we've had a lot of success with Florida guys at Rutgers. So it would be awesome to get into your background. Like what got you? Let's start there. What got you into football and how'd you get your start? Yes, sir. So I started at a very young age. You know, my mom put me in football when I was like four or five years old. And like growing up, all I can remember is just like watching sports center, watching college football and just wanting to play football. So, of course, my mom put me in the sport and, um, you know, it was something that I loved ever since the beginning. And it was something that I had fun doing. You know, my brother played it, too. So we grew up on the same teams. We were two years apart. So we kind of grew up on the same teams until we got to high school. and that was fun, you know, it was fun for me. And a lot of people in my family play football, so I just wanted to con- continue the tradition, you know, and uh, continue playing the sport. That's cool, and growing up, obviously, you were down in Tampa. Shiano, ironically, was coaching the Bucks at that time, too. So it's like, it's crazy. It's like, the, like time is a flat circle. The earth is, is so small sometimes when it comes to these things, right? Yes, sir. So you got recruited uh, by a, a heap of teams, and you were a, a dual-threat athlete in high school, if I've ever heard of one. It's unbelievable looking at your background. You, at, at one point or another, played running back, quarterback, and wide receiver in high school, and your teams won all sorts of championships, which is insane. So what, what was that like? That, what was your high school career like in that regard, playing like that, and what was the recruitment like? Yes, sir. It was, I had a blast in high school. You know, I went to Berkeley Prep. Um, down in Tampa, um, I had a great coach, Coach Dominic Sal. Um, you know, he really, he really trusted me. Um, he believed in my talents. He saw it when I was at a very young age, and um, like my junior year, that's when he kind of gave me the, the keys. You know, I played quarterback, and um, it was fun. It was a learning experience. Um, had a, had some ups, had some downs, but uh, my coach always trusted in me. And you know, I had great teammates too. Uh, a lot of my teammates, you know playing the, in the Big Ten or playing at professional level right now. And um, just looking back and being able to play with those guys was really a blessing. Um, yeah, playing, playing receiver in all those positions, I think it just helped me become a better athlete. You know, um, that was the biggest thing for me. I just wanted to become a great athlete. And the tradition team saw that, so I started picking up offers like my junior, senior year. Um, first D1 offer was Army. They wanted me to play quarterback. That was pretty cool. Um, you know, and my coach kind of guided me. Um, my coach guided me. Can you, can you hear me? I can, yeah. Oh, yeah, your coach guided you. I cut out somebody called me. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, but, uh, like, my coach guided me through the recruitment process. You know, he told me the do's and don'ts. 
Um, and I really just trusted him. And, you know, he put my name out there, Coach Sahi. He got me a lot of offers. Um, and, you know, that was a blessing. I was able to take a visit visits. Um, and essentially, I went to Kansas State University, you know, from the beginning. Um, that was fun. That was a cool process. So that's that's how my high school recruitment went. That's awesome. I mean, you running the wishbone at Army is <laughs> something that I think we all wish we could have seen. Like, that would have been insane. You running, like, the triple option or the wishbone with the option to run pass or even be, you know, some kind of receiver out of the backfield, too, depending on how they wind it up. That would have been interesting. But we're happy you're here, no doubt about that. Yeah. K-State, you get recruited uh, to Kansas State. And was was that Bill Snyder? Was he involved in your recruitment direct? Or was it did he kind of uh, get, put somebody else on you to, to get you into the program? Yeah, um, well, when they offered me, it was Coach Kleinman that was there. Coach Snyder wasn't there. Got it. Um, Three had just retired, I guess. Yeah, Coach yeah. Conrad had just got there, and he offered me. Um, they offered me at North Dakota State, too. And, you know, he offered me and took a visit there. Loved that high school. And, you know, I signed there, committed there, played there for a year, had a great time. You know, uh, some of those guys on those teams I still talk to to this day. You know, some of my closest friends, those guys will be at my wedding. So um, it's a blessing because you get to meet people, you know, from all across the world, you know. and I'll say definitely I can stay up with some great relationships. Uh, still talk to some of those guys to this day, you know. That's great. So, I mean, you made your you made your mark that that one year at Kansas State. Your highlight video says it all. I watched it before. Mm -hmm. I was like, dang, this guy's just finding the sideline and running away <laughs> from everybody. And that actually brings me to the next one. You are a, an explosive player. Like, there's absolutely no doubt about that. You're absolutely electric, especially when you get in the open field. To me, you remind me a lot of Percy Harvin in the way that you're able to find a crease and you you can see something other people can't see, it feels like. And you see that lane and you not only take that lane, you explode through that lane and you dust everybody. Once you have a step, no one can catch you. So, and the other thing that I like about the way that I've observed you play is you're not like running away from people. You're not shy about getting contacted either. So you just mm -hmm. explode up the middle. So basically yes, what I'm saying is these are all things that if you, you know, Percy Harvin's phenomenal athlete, I think being compared to him is, is a big compliment. Yeah. Is there exactly. a guy who you fashion your game after? Is it him? Is it somebody else? Like, how do you, how do you prepare? So I watch a couple of guys and um, they include like, I watch Chris Rainey. I watch, I watch Percy Harvin. I watch Jeff Demps. Um, I just try to watch like fast, twitchy guys. That's what I try to model my game after. I watch a lot of Jalen Waddle. That's what I was watching in this offseason. Um, you know, just guys that uh, catch quick screens and do a lot with the ball in their hands and stuff like that. Uh, try to emulate their moves a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I try to watch guys like that, you know, guys that are kind of built like me. You know, it wouldn't make sense for me to go watch Mike Evans. He's 6'5", you know. So I try to kind of watch the more compact guys who catch screens and are able to take it the distance. That's awesome. Makes perfect sense. And, and Waddle's taking over the NFL with his celebratory moves. We got we got to get something like that from you now. Take over the NCAA. I hope you got a, a move cooking after a touchdown, just like the Waddle. <laughs> that would be crazy. That would be. So so you play that season at Kansas State. Uh, what ultimately got you to Rutgers? Who recruited you? Can you tell us about that transfer recruitment process and your decision process? Like what ultimately sold you on the opportunity? Yeah, so when I hit, I hit the portal in 2020, October of 2020, and um, 
you know, I got offers, offers from schools, but, you know, Coach Piano, he actually coached me my freshman year. He was, uh, he, you know, he came and was our DC at Berkeley Prep. And um, that was a cool experience because I was like his scout team quarterback back back in the wow, day. Wow, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah. So um, it was fun, you know, just talking to him during the recruitment process because we was talking about all the memories and stuff like that. Also played with his sons there on my team. Um, and I built great relationships with them when I was in high school. So I had no reason not to trust them this time around. You know, so I put all my trust in Coach Chiano. Um, my high school coach, Coach Sal, you know, he's also telling me, like, you know, this would be a great opportunity for me. So I decided to come up here. You know, I thought it was be it's the best thing for me, you know, best thing for my family. And I've just been take trying to take advantage every day of this opportunity. Amazing. Well, I'll tell you, Shiano has a very good judge of character, and he's also a very good judge of talent, especially out of Florida. So the fact that he identified you is, you know, that's a big feather in your cap alone. And I think you had taken the plunge will prepare you really well for the NFL because you see the proofs in the pudding. He sends a lot of guys to the league. So mm -hmm. it's, that's fantastic that you found your way here. Yes, sir. So we're off to a sixth start this year, and that BC win was gigantic. I think you know that uh, you're on the team, and the, but the fan base especially was juiced up for that. To start the game, you get the kickoff, and you nearly broke one. Uh, for, I thought you almost hit that, uh, that crease, and we're off to the races on that opening kickoff. And you got to smack the tur turf right after because the guy kind of caught you like shoestring tackled you. Looked like you knew you just missed that. Uh, what's it like when you're opening up a game like that, running a kickoff back, waiting for that ball to land in your bread basket and you're, you're taking it upfield. Like, is that adrenaline, a junk, adrenaline junkie stuff? Is that like the best thing in the world? Yeah, it's definitely crazy. It's a crazy moment. Cause I feel like, uh, once I catch the ball, like I'm in the zone kind of, um, you know, just trying to find the hole, trust my teammates and hit the hole and, you know, BC week, they definitely opened up the hole for me. You know, I just got to make that guy miss. Um, I, you know, I, I wish I could have that play back a thousand times over. You know, my teammates blocked it perfectly. Um, the props to zero, though. He made a great tackle. Uh, he's, he was a great, great DB, great defender. But, um, you know, hopefully, um, you know, we'll just, we'll just keep trusting the process and we'll see what happens. Heck, yeah, we'll get one. I think everybody knew you were close. So we know that, you, you know, you're flirting with it. You're going to bust through. Now, can you slow the play down? Like when you're returning, when you're this good at this, can you like slow down the play basically? Does it, or is it, is it as fast as it looks to us when you're returning like a kick or a kick or a punt? Um, I definitely say it's slower um, just because like of how many times you rep it and how many times like you're running with your teammates It's definitely slower, um, you know, and with our scheme, you just got to trust the scheme. You got to trust your blocks. Uh, my teammates will make the blocks and you got to hit it. You know, it's not going to be like a huge hole like a, for a running back. It's going to be a, a tight, small hole for a kicker turner. And you got to find that daylight and hit it. Um, so that's the biggest thing, just being able to trust your blocks and at the last moment, um, hitting the hole and be able to go. Well, you have a gift, sir. It's freaking awesome to watch. And on the same team, we've got another fastest man alive, Aaron Crookshank. And I just got to ask this question. And be honest with me right now, Josh. Who is faster, you or Aaron? Uh, I think that I am faster because uh, <laughs> that wasn't that. I'm always say I'm faster. <laughs> but nah, AC is really fast. He's a special talent. 
you know, um, he's, a, he's a great talent. He's a great guy. You know, he runs really, really fast. Um, like, he's, he's inspiring. He's an inspiring player, you know, like, He's a juice guy. He gets us going, but we definitely got to get a race in because that's all we talk about all day about who's the fastest. And we got a really fast receiver room and whole, like in general, like this is one of the fastest groups I've been around. We got a lot of fast guys, but me and AC definitely got to get a race in. I'm going to say after the season, we'll get one in, you know. We would love that. As fans, we'd love that. You should do it for like maybe charity. And honestly, yeah. get a line on that thing. Like, you know, Josh Young minus 150 or something like that. Seriously. <laughs> You guys are both really freaking fast. Like we had a guy, Janarian Grant, who was who had the kind of speed you had, but we didn't have. And 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 um, Bo was fast too. Bo was fast yeah, too. Bo was really fast. Yeah, but like we don't get that. It doesn't happen often. You see that that level of speed. So to have two guys on the same team with the speed you've got is is something else. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I love I love running with AC man. Like he's just such a smooth runner. You know, we see him out there running like perfect strides like he's running on a track almost when he's out there but yeah we definitely got to get a race in man I'm, I'm, I'm really ready to race him because you know it's something we've been talking about for a while yeah no doubt so uh we've also got some pretty amazing d-backs on this team I mean every time I think I've got like my an idea about who the, the best player is in our defensive backfield somebody makes a huge play um obviously from last year it was the usual suspects, you know, every Kassan and, and Christian Izzy, and they were dominant most, most of the games. But now this year we got longer beam on the action of Braswell. And it's just like our freaking defensive backfield sick. So the question is in practice, who is the toughest guy to go up against day to day? Yeah. And it's tough because all those guys are really ballers. You know, I give my respects to all of them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm mostly in the slot, so I see more uh, Izzy. I see I see Izzy in a lot. I see Crafty a lot. Um, I see um, Christian Braswell a lot. You know, um, those guys are great defenders. I mean, oh my goodness! Like we go we go back and forth though. You know, the we make our plays and they make their plays. But going against those guys, like it definitely gets gets us ready for game day because like I feel like um, they're they're really talented. It's a great great group of DBs. Um, and I think three of them got picks already. You know, it's the second game and three of them already got picked. So, you know, I just hope they keep putting in the work and it'll show like how great they are to the world, you know, in due time. Yeah, it's sick. We had Christian on last year and he, that guy is as mission minded as I've seen. Like he is yeah. locked in and you could see it in the game days, like the way he closes distance and binds the ball carriers. Even when it looks like he's going to get beat, he never gets beat. It's unbelievable. And Kassan is like, that guy tackles, I think, better than any cornerback. Maybe an Antoine Winfield is the only guy I could think of that tackles as good yeah. But, like, wow. That's great. I mean, iron sharpens iron, man. So it's great that you're doing that in practice. Yes, so uh, goals for the season. What, are the, what does good look like for this season for you, for maybe the, the wide receiver core, if you've got goals like that that exist? What, what are you trying to, to achieve? Yeah, well, me personally, I set a couple goals before the season. You know, um, one of them is to just never make the same mistake twice. Um, that's just something I learned along my career. If you can avoid making the same mistake twice, you'll be in good hands. And the second second goal is just to be reliable, you know, because you never know when your number's going to be called or how many times your number's going to be called in the game. But 
you know, if you're reliable and your coaches can trust you, your teammates can trust you that you're going to make the play. So that's why you just got to put in the work and just be prepared whenever the moment's called. So, and as a receiver, as a receiver core, um, you know, we just, we just want to show, show the world that like, you know, we really have people that can really play at this, at this level. And we got a great room, you know, a very, very vet room, a lot of old guys, a lot of young talent too, but, um, I think we have a great group. We mesh together. We love each other. You know, we call ourselves the dog pound and we pride ourselves on that. So um, it's, it's just a blessing to be around those guys every day. And I can't wait to see, you know, what this season holds for us. That's sick. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see what, what you guys can produce this year too. And, and your preparation is so, that's so great to hear because that slot position always winds up being a key position at the end of these games. Like, any Rutgers fan, a long, long Rutgers fan will remember the West Virginia the 2006 triple overtime game. That mm-hmm. there was a throw to the slot receiver in that game. And if he catches that ball, the game's over and we're going to the Orange Bowl to play uh, Wake Forest 100%. And that play didn't happen. It was a near miss. Uh, and we and we think about that play a lot. So the the point is, there's going to be days where your name's called and, and your play is going to decide the game at, in the spot. There's no doubt about that. So the fact that you're preparing life that way, always be ready. That's that's what we're talking about, man. That's sick. Yes, sir. So uh, the season is off to a phenomenal start. Two and zero. We got a game coming up. Uh, next next home game is going to be under the lights. To God, do you guys talk about that? I mean, it's going to be a crazy atmosphere, I can tell you right now, because we've been waiting for this moment, this crescendo, you could say, for a while. Yeah. Uh, what are your expectations for our next game at home? Are you excited? Or is the team excited? What What's going through your mind? Yeah, well, first, I'm excited for this away game. I'm not going to lie. Temple, they said we have, like, 20 buses uh, bring students and everything. So I think we're going to, going to have a great atmosphere this game. But next game, you know, 7.30, night game. This is, this is I think, my first night game in the Shaw Stadium. Um, so I expected to be loud. You know, last last week, our student section really showed out. And, um, you know, I, I was really happy to be out there. You know, they were loud. They were rowdy. On third downs, they got loud. So, you know, I'm expecting that um, at 7.30, you know, next Saturday. I'm, I'm expecting them to be loud. I'm expecting everybody to come out. You know, I can't wait to see what the atmosphere is like. Hell yeah, dude. That's a call to arms if I've ever heard one. I love it. I'll tell you, loud at our stadium is different than loud at other places, man, because we have Philly, New York, and Jersey all coming together. Mm-hmm. Keep the scat away to just yell shit at the, at the field, basically, and let it release our inhibition. So, yeah, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be tailgating. I'll have plenty of... Uh, Plenty of lubrication for the kickoff. I'm pretty pumped. Pretty freaking pumped. Yes, sir. So um, anything else you want to say? Thanks, Josh, for coming on today. It was really, really awesome to get to know you. Uh, I think after this one, I'm definitely a Josh Youngbook fan I've been, but even more so now. So I appreciate you coming on the program. Anything else you want to say to the fans, uh, Rutgers alums, uh, just uh, the attendees at the games, anything like that? No, I just want to say, you know, we appreciate you guys' support. Um, you know, we're grateful every time you guys come out and scream for us. You know, we, you could be doing a hundred other things, but 
the fact that you come out to the games, you know, that means a lot to us. And uh, everybody that's supporting us, you know, we really thank you for that. Um, you know, it fuels us. You know, we see the love and support all throughout the city. Um, and we're, we're on the rise, man. You know, we, we got we got some work to do, but, you know, I'm loving this team. I love how our chemistry is. And, you know, we'll see what this season holds. Well, dude, it's already been special. I can't wait to see uh, how it goes in the next couple. It's going to be freaking awesome. Can't wait. Can't wait. As Bart says. Cool. Thanks, Josh. Great to have you, man. Have a great rest of the night. All right. You too. Phenomenal session with Josh Youngblood there. And you can honestly hear in his voice just how focused he is on this season and what he's trying to achieve as a wide receiver, as a kicker turner, as a contributor to Rutgers. And you got to feel really good about where we are as a program right now, especially given what we've been through. Um, and this has been documented comprehensively on Boardwalk Sports Talk. The lows of the Ash era and the kinds of losses we had to sustain, the lack of juice in the program, just the the sort of, I would say a malaise. It was a malaise going into these seasons where by the middle of September, you were finding other things to do on Saturdays because you were sick of spending a sun-soaked Saturday, 70 degrees at the stadium, watching moribund football, watching uninspired football. But now, now we're back to the point where there's actual excitement, where there's actual appointment TV happening. And I don't see a bigger appointment than that September 24th matchup with Iowa. 7.30 under the lights. Biggest game in Rutgers for at least seven, eight years. I think it's the biggest game since 2015 in Michigan State. Um, you could argue probably the biggest game since 2014 Michigan, too. It, it might even be bigger than 2015 Michigan State. So I'm excited. I can't wait. The, the, being at the uh, opening the home opener a couple of weeks ago against Wagner, you really saw a fan base that was rejuvenated. You saw uh, lots that were full. The boardwalk, despite not being a huge attraction in terms of what it offered and, and what was going on there, was well attended. There was a huge amount of people cycling between the boardwalk and the lots. And you just had this, this you could feel it in the air. You could feel the excitement. And I think we're going to get that dialed up substantially against Iowa. And uh, we just got to take care of business against Temple. I expect to see a lot of Josh Youngblood against Temple. I, I expect to see our playmakers making plays. We're just flat out better. We're just flat out more experienced, more athletic, bigger, stronger, faster, um, better coached. We Across the board, we're better than Temple. It would take a perfect game for them to be able to beat us. Now, it's not impossible, right? Any, anything can happen on a college football Saturday. That's what's, that's what's awesome about college football. We just saw Texas A&M lose to Appalachian State, who, by the way, is pretty nasty. But <clears throat> anything can happen on any given day. So you can never overlook an opponent. But as long as we handle business, even if we you know, get by and by a touchdown or a field goal, fine. Let's just set this, this set this date up with Iowa. Let's let's go into I let's go into this Iowa game three and zero, and let's give this fan base a reason to get rowdy. I think everybody's ready. I think everybody's ready 
to go into that Scataway game on 7.30 on Saturday, tailgating the lots. We'll be there. We'll be there on the blue lot, flying the flag. So for those of you who are going to be there, stop by, have a beer, talk to us. I think we're going to do some pregame recording, get a pulse of the fan base going. And if you want to be on the Boardwalk Sports Talk program, it'd be fantastic to, to get you on. We also have a lot of other guests coming on in the next coming in the coming weeks across hoops and football. So we're going to really ramp this thing up. Um, but I think, you know, Iowa on, on September 24th is an incredible opportunity. And I'm super excited about it. I think this whole fan base is. You can see Josh Youngblood uh, is excited about it too. So let's give these guys a reason to outperform. Let's get out there. Let's yell. Let's be Jersey. Final thing on this podcast, and thanks for listening to this time around. Boardwalk Sports Talk, all we're trying to do, if you've been a longtime listener, I think you know what our ethos is. Our ethos is by the sports fan for the sports fan. With NIL, we have the opportunity to continue to engage great athletes and reward them for contributing to the Boardwalk Sports Talk ecosystem. What we are trying to do most acutely is engage those guys who don't get engaged by other uh, NIL collectives or media outlets and, uh, and, and the related. I think it's in, insane, the fact that guys like Christian Izzian, Kassan Abraham, Jacob Young, Dean Reber, uh, J- Joshua Youngblood, have not been engaged and done podcasts with numerous entities. I think that's insane because these are our deep fucking value athletes. These are people that are going to change games. They're going to change the complexion of this program. And they might not be the Ron Harper juniors or uh, Noah Vedrals or Isaiah Pacheco's in terms of their, their current stature, their current reputations. But Having been a fan of football for a very long time, having been a student of the game, I know what I'm seeing. I I trust my intuition and my eyes. And I know that Joshua Youngblood is going to make huge plays in his Rutgers career. You just know it. And the fact that these guys don't get engaged by the other collectives, to me, makes no sense. So we were we're going to continue to be that contrarian, that contrarian uh, group, if you want to call us that. We're going to continue to to find that deep effing value, and engage these people because that's what Jersey's all about, baby. That's what Jersey is. We are about scrappy. We are about confidence in our, in our own abilities, even if it hasn't shown in the past. We are about striving for greatness and we know that anybody can strive for it and achieve it on any given day not just the guys who are at the top of the program and all the headlines and and consuming all of the the oxygen in the room so that's what we're committed to doing we're going to keep doing it so leave us leave us your comments engage us on social let us know how we're doing because we're going to keep we're going to keep bringing it and we hope you like it. And we want we want you guys to get engaged too. All right, Boardwalk Sports Talk Faithful. Carl out. Thanks a lot for listening. And I'll see you at Iowa.
Godspeed.